Hey folks, I am back with another interview with the uh, infamous Roosh V. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, your work has been highly influential in the sphere. Everybody knows who you are. I mean, if you want to give a, a little bit of a brief introduction for those two people out there that, that aren't familiar with you, that would be great. I would say the really brief version is that I taught men how to sleep around, and I did that for 15 plus years. I published a lot of books on it, a lot of articles. On and on, I was known for doing that. I was in the news. I was attacked and on and on, And but I used those attacks to sell more money, to sell more books, to earn more money, to build my fame, to maybe in the eyes of some women um, to make them think that being with me would give them a benefit in life. And, uh, well, that came to an end starting in 2015 when the world started to attack me back and, uh, through a series of unfortunate events that are common in life, I realized that the life I was living was just a total sham. It was, uh, not, not the way. So I turned to, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And since then, I've been walking with Christ for two years now. So all my work, all that past work is gone. And now I hope to build a new collection of articles and books that can genuinely help people, uh, not just in the moment, but for e eternity, instead of what I used to do, which was just uh, making people feel pleasure for a moment or two, but was actually hurting them. In these spheres, um, I come across a lot of people, and I myself have engaged in, in plenty of degeneracy. We're all damaged by modernity. And I talk to a lot of people that um, just don't know where to start. They kind of grew up uh, atheist or agnostic, and they, they just are so overwhelmed by the concept of religion and Christianity and accepting Jesus. Um that, that they just kind of are, are like, I'm, I'm out on this. I, I, I can't, I can't do it. And so they kind of continue to live this life of this atheistic life. What would you say to people that are new to faith um, that are coming around? I mean, cause your journey, it's, um, it's been an inspiration for so, so many people, but, but kind of where do you start? Well, first God works through each person in a different way. He brings his light to each person in a different way, depending on their personality, their gifts, where they are in life. So there isn't a formula that you can give to people. Uh, but from what I see, the common pattern, the most common pattern that people can arrive to the faith and start to feel God's grace is to pray. It seems like if you can establish a prayer rule daily, that seems to be the biggest help that you can do for your, your soul. Uh, then once you start to pray, you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to be confused. You're not going to really know what you are doing. And that's when you ask God these things. I mean, you can even ask God how to pray. You can ask God, God, build my faith. It's weak. I'm too attached to things of this world. But as your faith builds, what you should see is a decreasing dependency or addiction to things of this world that can range from food to sex to money. Um, anything that releases dopamine could be your social networking accounts, your Instagram. Um, it could be to anger, to drama, hatred. Uh, so 
it's it's a journey. It isn't a moment in time. It's a journey. So where you start when you say start to pray or you turn to God and where you end up when you're done in this life is you're going to be a different person. And for some, that period of grace is a big shot in the arm. And for others, it's a process. It's slower, you know, because some people can't handle that big shot. So, you know, there isn't a formula, but to pray, that seems to be from what I've seen, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, that seems to be the number one way to get started, to get your foot in heaven's door. And then from there, you're going to add things. You're going to look for a church that you believe Christ is in. You're going to start to read certain books. You're going to read the Bible. And then after that, it comes down to the dozens of daily decisions you make every day. You know, do I uh, do I make a decision to go to the bar to drink? Do I make the decision to overeat? Do I make the decision to judge this person? So then it comes down to that, and you're going to find a lot of forks in the in in the road. Do I throw away the old me who had the habit to maybe condemn others, to overdrink, to hit on girls, to lust after people, or do I take the new path that God wants me to? So that's where the challenge is. So when you find God, it's such a, you are going to feel great. I mean, there's going to be spiritual feelings involved that make you feel genuine joy, happiness. But then the hard work, it starts after that. Mm, Definitely. You mentioned judgment, and that's something I'm really struggling with right now. Um, uh, especially with with people on the left, I'm I'm really struggling dealing with my anger and and my hatred for for a lot of people. So as Christians, what is our role in uh, enforcing good on this earth? I I don't think I can go through my life with a non judgmental attitude towards everybody. I mean, we have to call out evil where we see it. Um. So so what do you think our role is in that, especially in the political realm right now? Well, that kind of depends on which church you are in. But so when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm definitely speaking from the orthodox view. Uh, but when you see someone doing great evil to others, you have to understand they've already done great evil to themselves. You know, their soul in all likelihood is dead. They are spiritually dead. Uh, once they're done with this life here, they're going to hell after that. So when you see someone committing great evil, your impulse is to be angry at them. Why are they hurting people? Why are they hurting me? But they've, they're have they hurting themselves first. So you, you will get to a level, I hope, where your instinct is to pray for them. You know, that may God, may God enlighten, enlighten them to, to stop this evil that they are doing. Because as you know, even if you see someone doing evil online or off and you tell them, hey, you are doing a horrible thing and you're wrong and you're a bad person, that never fixes it. It never helps. You know, mm-hmm. it just makes them even more committed to attacking you or to committing the evil that they were that they were that they were doing. That said, I'm not saying don't call out evil when you see it. You don't you you definitely want fellow Christians to know what is going on. But the key word is people are either going to make a choice to uh commit good or not. And if they make a choice not to commit good, I mean, that's there's nothing you can do. If if I show you what good is and you refuse good, you refuse God, it's out of my hands now. So I can now 
shield the damage that you do away from people who are close to me, whether that's my family, my friends online, I can say the truth of the matter and say, this person is spreading lies about this or that. This person is hurting other people. But to attack them directly, to judge them directly, it doesn't work. It it doesn't help. I mean, so of course, God doesn't want us to do that. But just from a practical point of view, it doesn't accomplish anything. So really, you kind of put your soul in a dark place of this condemnation and hatred for something that doesn't improve the situation anyway. So I would say, you know, just to uh, have act more as a shield to keep that evil away than to kind of add to it. Because if we attack, and you're talking to a guy who used to spend a good part of his day attacking people online, I would attack people on Twitter and then count the number of likes I would get. And the angrier angrier I was, the more likes and the more... Sh- shares I, I i would get so uh it's a it's when you attack others you have to understand that you feel an immediate emotional surge and it could be that some people are addicted to that instead of the fact that by attacking them i'm going to make the problem better but it seems that to me that doesn't work i did have a revelation about the left um we were talking about this before we went live but i, I read this time article recently and i couldn't believe what I was reading, not because I didn't know how much they interfered with the election and everything that had happened, but um, it it really drove home this point to me <laughs> that they think that what they're doing is righteous. Like they really believe that, that what they're doing is good and that they're preserving democracy. <laughs> and and that was kind of shocking to me. And so how, how do we deal with people that are committing horrible acts of evil, but truly believe that it's a manifestation of their righteousness? So I don't think anyone looks in the mirror and says to themselves, I'm a bad person. I'm <laughs> evil. You know, yeah. even people who are doing great evil, such as injecting young children with puberty blockers, doctors who are performing abortions every day. I don't think they go home and think that I'm I am e- I am an evil person. But right. if by your deeds you think you are doing good, but God is not in your life, how can you, I mean there's the chances that you are doing good are very slim because all good comes from God alone. So uh, you know, at any Anything that you do that is a real good, it's God is the source of it. Because if it's not from God, then how can it be good? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the Time article that you are talking about, the people who crave power in this world, who want to create a heaven on this earth, because they don't believe in the afterlife, they don't believe that um, you know there is a all just, all moral God that's going to punish or we will reward us that there's a judgment seat of christ they they think that this life is it i have to win here i have to feel pleasure and power here so in the in that game after trump was kicked out and i think he did win the second time around but he was he was kicked out and now the people who kicked him out who rigged everything uh they how could they not feel this incredible pride Look how powerful I am to subvert a presidential election in the most powerful country in the world. So they did that. And it's like they want to brag. 
Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's like me when I would score a girl in the club. Who did I? I wanted to call all my guy friends and tell them how I did it. You know how great I am. So this is the same thing. They achieved a feat that and made them feel powerful. Now they want to brag about it. But that bragging will be their downfall because what it does is starts to it starts to show other people how rigged and controlled this game is. And some people may think, well, how much more time do we need? How many more people do we need to wake up? Uh, shouldn't everyone already know what is going on? And I would say, yeah, by by now, I mean, you should have known a long time ago. But, but I mean, every act of pride and arrogance from the group that controls the United States is going to make it much harder for them to continue doing this. Yeah. So, ev so, but a lot of people want that easy, you know, all of us to bum rush the streets and take over power. I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think it's going to happen more on the local scale, more on the civil disobedience scale. I think it's going to happen in that way. That's not going to be a big news story. That's not going to be like a coup we take over. I think it's going to be the individual choices, not this organized movement. Because if you've noticed, they won't let us organize. They won't. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend and I, I told him that if I wanted to establish a political group, like a legal group, uh, they would swarm my group with feds by the third or fourth meeting. Uh, I would be arrested for extremism, domestic terrorism. Roosh was going to attack the Capitol with his beard, you know, <laughs> all these conspiracies. So we can't do it. They have us so constrained, but we still can act. I mean, they can't imprison us all. And as we see, it, it starts with the coronavirus. Some people don't are starting to protest that they uh, the vaccine, they're going to make us take it. A lot of people are not going to take that, but they're going to try to make us. So I think we're going to see things happen that we didn't expect. Now, how that unfolds, I don't know. But it seems that the anger is increasing. People are more awake. People are more are more fed up. So on the from the outside, it looks like, man, they have total power. We're doomed forever, man. We're never going to win. But I think it's these times in history that it's a reversal usually happens and i'm not saying it's going to make everything a bed of roses and everything is going to be 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 a great but i think god only allows a country to descend into hell to a to a certain point where he steps in and he allows the remnant of faithful christians in that country to make a stand either i mean it may not be with swords it may be through their blood but it's not going to can you the earth cannot turn into hell so i wouldn't be too concerned over that but uh, like i'm like we mentioned earlier on how to come to the faith prayer is the most important thing that you can do i mean you're directly talking to god and i wouldn't count on your own actions first count on your faith and then from that faith it will guide you to what you can do. So you don't think that the overconfidence of the left is is actually symbolic of the power that they that they hold. I've become increasingly concerned with how much they're flaunting this. And and a lot of people were telling me they're just bragging. This is this is just them bragging. But but I always thought that it was like, you know, 
like it's a victory flag for them. Like that they have, they have won, they have all the institutional power. And so it's good to hear from somebody that that's not actually how things are and that maybe they're, they're making us feel that way as a play. I mean, you can just look back at your own life. And I look back at the peak years of sin that I committed in life where I thought I was a king. I'm a king of the world because I slept with the most amount of girls this year or most beautiful girls. I looked at it and I thought, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of my reign of kingship. (laughs) But looking back how things turned out, those years was the beginning of the end. Though that was the beginning of the end. So I can just tell you from the on the individual, if you look at men who made the most amount of money in a certain year, their muscles were the biggest, that usually was the peak. And then very soon after that, things started to go down. They didn't keep on going up. And we can't keep on going up because we are not gods. So I think that's the uh, case here. I don't know if you there was a, there's a globalist shill by the name of Francis Fukuyama. And he wrote a book called The End of History. He's, he wrote a book that said, well, the liberal order, the globalist, Judeo-globalist order, you know, we got this. We won. It's over. History is never going to change. We're going to have eternal power. That's what they think. That's <laughs> what they really think. And now the great reset is here. They're going to imprison us, tag us like cattle. Um, that's their plan. But uh, God makes a mockery of the plans of men. He has done this. You can read your Bible. Now, how it's going to happen and when, I don't know. I can't tell you. Are we going to have to suffer in this world? Yes. I mean, uh, that's that's a, this life is a test for us, a test of faith. You know, how seriously do we take our God? Are we going to ditch him when things get a little bit tough? Or are we going to stay with him and lean on him and allow him to help us get through this? And but I don't, again, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it can't continue like this. They're turning boys into girls and girls into boys. I mean, I, I read the Bible and there's not many examples where that it was actually happening. I, I think we've exceeded, we've exceeded yeah. how bad things were during, say, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, Nero's time. It's really bad. And one good thing that uh, if a Christian is watching, God won't let earth itself turn into into hell. We look at the Soviet Union. They had the gulags. They had millions and millions of people were sent into the gulags, sent to die. One of the good things is though a lot of people who were sent in those camps, they found Christ there. Their souls, they were saved because of that. And then you look at the Soviet Union now, they build thousands and tens of thousands of churches since communism has fallen. Some of the most pious people I've met come from Russia. Their church is strong. Uh, their number of abortions is going down. Well, ours is still ma- maintaining at 600,000 a year, even though a woman has all kinds of contraception, contraceptive uh, options and on and on. So, you know, I, I would say don't lose, don't lose hope because I studied the Soviet Union. Things were bad there. Things were real bad. It was close, as close to hell, the amount of human suffering there. Yeah. And then you added w- World War II and what they had to go through. And they are doing better. They, they didn't descend through the ground into hell itself. I think we have to have that too. But if you look at how we've lived, if you look at how this country has gone on for the past 
50 or 60 years. We deserve this. We deserve this. If you, we, if I look at how I lived, how I lived, I deserve all of this pain. And if you think, and in, in the Orthodox Church, we believe that any kind of suffering or pain in this life that you can endure with God's help washes away the sins that you have committed. So I think we deserve this. I mean, look how our friends and peers live who are not walking with Christ right now. The amount of the amount of abortions that are going on, the, our obsession with money and comfort, obsession. How many people do you know put God first in their lives? I mean, no, he's just a friend that we put in the closet that then to show other people we're some kind of holy, we take him out of the closet. But no, I think we deserve this. I mean, why do we deserve good? You know, I've been with Christ for a couple of years. I don't deserve any good. I still have a lot of work to do. So I think God usually sends this kind of pain and humiliation and terror to a country whose people have forsaken him totally. So, you know, and thankfully, maybe in your circle and mine, you're seeing more people turn to turn to God, turn to Christ. But how many is that? You know, a couple thousand? Okay, that's great. I mean, hey, every soul that's saved is great. But there's 320 million people in this in this country. We need repentance on a mass scale. We need people to stand up to the evils by simply not doing it themselves. You don't need to go to the abortion clinic. Just don't have abortions yourself. Don't commit, you know, premarital sex yourself. Don't watch porn. Don't watch, don't masturbate. There's so many things we can do, um, but when, uh, you know, billions of sins daily are being incubated in this country, can we be surprised that God has tossed us to this small elite tribe of people who are ruling over us, stamping on our faces with their boot? No, I think you're right. And I think that the first step in all of this is repentance. And when I came back to the Catholic Church, um, that was the first thing I did. I, I must have had an, an hour long confession, you know, like really authentic stuff. And it did make me feel it made me feel a lot better. And I had a reprieve from some of that suffering and from some of the guilt for a little while. Um, but it always comes back when you continue to repeat the sin. And that's what I'm afraid for in this country. Um, I don't know that anybody is going to learn a lesson. I, I really don't know. Until everybody comes to Christ, how could we possibly not continue to make the same mistakes? And then uh, on an institutional level, there's just so much corruption. We are just corrupt to the core. We're more corrupt than even I anticipated. And I, I'm pretty aware of what's going on. I can't imagine how the average citizen feels. They, they must feel like, um, like they don't even want to to look at it, to accept it, because it's just too overwhelming. I mean, realizing that all of your institutions are corrupt to the core must be really frightening if you don't, you haven't prepared yourself for this in any way. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of want life to be good. They yeah. want life to be to be happy. I don't blame them. But I see that the harder things are in life, the more I reach out to God for for uh, help. Just now going to Walmart. I mean, I'm such a weak person on my own that just to go to Walmart and be yelled at by people to wear a mask because I don't like to, I, I, I can't deal with that. I can't yeah. deal because every week I go shopping for food. It's an ordeal. So I have to pray before I go to Walmart now. So, I mean, if everything was so comfortable, why would I have to pray? You know, so the way I see it, and I know people don't want 
to um, accept that. But the I kind of don't mind if things get harder and and harder because that's going to have a faith building effect. Uh, the harder things are in my life, the past couple of years, the more I've had to lean on God, the stronger my faith is. So I wouldn't mind if things get worse. Uh, but for people who say, no, I, I have to enjoy life here. I mean, the church, it teaches the, the more happiness and pleasure you experience in this life, that's probably a sign that your faith is not where it should it should be. So I kind of don't hope for things to get better. I hope I don't lose my faith when things get worse. I hope, am I going to maintain my faith for the rest of my life, assuming I live 30 years or 40 years? Satan is very smart. So that <laughs> Satan is smarter than us. He has plans for each of us, how he's going to trip us up. And so for me, my main concern is the individual journey. Uh, the individual journey I take with people who go to my church and family and so on. But to think, I mean, do I really care in the world in general? Is there peace in the world? That's what they are obsessed about. The, it's the left that is obsessed with creating their magic utopia, egalitarianism, which is really a tyranny. But they really believe that they're going to create happiness where we're all equal and happy and racism is gone and homophobia is gone. And small little boys can dress as girls. I mean, they, they really think that's going to make them to make them happy. So I will leave this happiness project, this utopia communist project to the left. For me, I focus on my individual salvation and go from there, deal with all the trials that are coming. And I think you know this, you sense this too, the trials are coming. There's going to be big ones. Um, you know, I, I say that 2020 was like the warm-up set. So if yeah. you're a man, you do the bench press at the gym. And like me, I would do three 45-pound plates on each, each each side. You know, the warm-up set is just the bar. So that's what 2020 was. And uh, it's going to, the weight is going to be added. But glory to God for at least allowing us to warm up. That's true. So he's yeah. not going to shock us. So he's not going to give us anything that we can't bear as long as we lean on him totally. I think that's true. I'm hearing so many people rejoice because 2020 is over. And I'm, I'm like, this was the trailer to a much worse, longer film. I don't think that people even now realize what's coming and the hardship that the future holds. Um, so are, are you ever afraid? I am... I would say I'm more apprehensive, but it's very exciting. It's exciting to, I mean, how God has deemed us worthy to live in a difficult time, in a time that's more difficult than what our parents had to face, anyone who was born after World War II. It's going to get so hard, but God knows that we can go through it. Before he created the world, he has deemed your soul able to endure this. So to me, I see it as an ultimate compliment that he's going to put us through this. He's not going to give us the easy road, the easy, the easy homework, because the harder it is, the more we can ascend, the more trials we face here that we can overcome, the closer we can get to God, the greater our rewards in heaven. So I kind of one God to make it as hard as possible, as long as I don't lose my soul, you know, as just make it as hard as you can, 
as long as it's not so hard that I give up and I fall into despair. I'm sure you know people who in 2020, they fell into that. And these are oh, people- Oh, I'm guilty myself, definitely. Yeah. yeah and uh, people in 2020 is like, this is hard. I don't. I want to go back to how things were. Well, bad news is things are not going to go back to how, how, how things were. And you're not going to get through this without God. You are just simply not. Suicide is going to go up. People are going to get more addicted to alcohol, pills, and food. Uh, without God, you won't make it through. I keep telling my own people this: you won't make it through. Um, but, but, but again, I think this is such. I mean, the fact that I see more people turning to God. I did a poll where I I asked people, and uh, in 2020, did your faith go up or did it go down? And 70% said it went up. 70%. So that tells me, okay, God is using this. For people who whose souls are going to be condemned, who just will never turn to turn to uh, God, I mean, there's nothing you can do. But this is, I, you know, I, I'm not, it's not just seeing the good and bad, but this is such an opportunity for people to save, to save their, their own souls. This is what a gift, what a gift that uh, you can experience eternal life serving at the right hand of uh, God, instead of kind of just going on with your material existence, you know, your comfort, everything is fine, no concerns. And a lot of us, that's how we lived our lives. The biggest concerns was, was which which dating partner am I going to have? Welcome. <laughs> he or she didn't text me back. I mean, was I not good in bed or, you know, something dumb like that? Um, but we didn't have any problems. I mean, how many meals in your life did you go without? How many days without water. Uh, we've had a very easy life. And I think for our own benefit, spiritual benefit, things should get a little bit hard. That's definitely true. Um, outside of coming to the faith, uh, what practical things uh, do you think we can do to brace for impact? Start to detach from things of the, of the world. Start to Limit how dependent you are on certain corporations, internet sites, social networking, internet in general. Um, you shouldn't, if things say the, um, the, if the internet turns off, if banking turns off, and you're completely gone, you're completely lost, and I think you're too dependent. Uh, one way I've been doing it is to reduce the amount of spending that I that I do to reduce my dependency on just the on commerce so trying to do trying to get by with less so that when they shut me down here or there I don't have to worry oh I I can't pay for my $600 car payment a month or something like that so I've kind of adopted more of a frugal mindset a minimalist mind mindset. And also you uh, give less money to the corporations that hate you. They hate your guts. They <laughs> yeah. hate your guts. And you are in, and there's some companies that I have to do business with. I, I need to eat. So I'm going to these grocery store chains and Amazon, of course, eBay. I mean, I still have to order things, um, clothing, but I'm trying to reduce my dependency on them as much as I can. Because uh, I know every dollar I give them just feeds the beast to bludgeon me. So it's like I'm feeding a really crazy baby that is just vomiting, is going to vomit on me after that. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying, but 
but it is tough because they've created a system where you need them. <laughs> you yeah. know, you are dependent on them. And because they want that, because they want, well, if they identify you, you're a bad thinker, you are a racist. Well, they, now they can cut you off with, instead of you dealing with the million companies, you only deal with five or six. They can go to the five or six and say, we need to cut her off. And so that's why they're trying to centralize their network. And I think you know of the digital ID that they're trying to link to your vaccination. That's going to be very easy because they're going to link that to commerce and your ability to buy and sell. Huh, I may not be able to buy and sell if I don't get the toxin the satanic sacrament, you know? So I think the Bible says something about that and it's it's gonna get hard. I mean, what are you gonna do when they say you cannot buy food in a supermarket unless you get the vaccine? Now, once you put that much pressure, 90% of people are going to do it, even though they don't want it. Oh, that's optimistic. I think it's gonna be much more than that. <laughs> Yeah, it's even people who believe in God, who claim their faith is strong. They're not going to count on God to feed them. They're not going to count on God for their daily bread. Now, no, I'm going to count on the satanic sacrament of the virus. Give me give me the poison because I can't even bear to think how am I going to get food? I'm not going to count on God. I'm going to count on you, Walmart or whatever private public um, cooperation is pushing that mandate. So it's going to get hard. It's going to be. It's going to get hard. So, I mean, the people whose faith isn't there, they're going to fall away quickly. The Bible talks about that. The lukewarm Christians are going to apostatize very quickly. Very, and I mean, it's there's not going to be a lot of us that really stand by God. There's, I think, it's you. You will be surprised surprise who does and who does who does not and i just pray that i you know even if they throw me in a dungeon and they torture me i pray that i can maintain the faith in those in those times because it's really easy to say oh i believe in god and i'm gonna i'm never gonna reject christ it's very easy to say that words are easy it just takes two or three calories of energy to say something such as that but to stand by it you know and i hope when if that happens to us god he he allows us to build up to the strength. So when that moment comes, you know, we will have the confidence and we will be able to lean on him in order to do it. But me, in my mind, I fully accept that I'm going to be shut out from basically everything. I mean, the fact that we're doing an interview now, I count this as a blessing because how many more am I going to be able to do? And we don't know. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I, it's just remarkable to me that they're even allowing this. And I think that it's, it's somewhat suspicious. They want it to be a slow roll, um, in terms of censorship that they, they still have been more gradual about it than I anticipated. I was banned from Twitter in like 2017 and, and my YouTube channel is still going. And I'm like, why, like, why are they letting me do this? Uh, and that's the attitude that I have. Like, why is it, why is anybody letting me say totally normal things on the internet? It's like how far we've gone in the last few years. Um, I know you said that you, you don't know where the country is going to be in a few years, but I did kind of <laughs> want to ask you where you see things. I don't know, over, over five years, I, I anticipate that we're going to have some food supply issues and we're going to have to homestead and community build and things like that. But do you have any other broader predictions over the next, I don't know, one to 10 years in this country? 
Well, the country is going to fall apart. That's just, that's how it's going to go. That's how every empire in the history of the world has fallen apart. We're living in the end close to, to that point. Uh, this current, I mean, the fact that they had to steal the election just mm -hmm. a couple of months ago is an indicator how, how much they're actually losing power, even though they seem to be very powerful. But if they had power, they would have been able to convince the country to vote for their zombie guy, but they couldn't. So now they're having to really uh, step up the corruption, like you mentioned earlier. So they, it seems like their power is so strong and we're just going to get crushed. And while some of us will get will get crushed, they only have to do this because they've lost the ability to convince people of their way. So when about 50% or more just do not believe at all what's in the news, your democracy is broken. There is no, I mean, you cannot form a unified front to get things done. Now, when is that going to happen? And how is it going to happen? You know, is it going to be civil war? Is it going to be destruction from within, from without? We don't know. And there's no way I can know that. But just like when you put a rat in a cage and you get a torch and you get it closer, that rat starts to panic because it doesn't want to die. And the regime we have right now is like a dying rat that even though it's just a rat, it has a lot of power and claws and, and teeth. And I think the rat here is going to fight really hard to maintain their power because they know once they lose it, they are toast. So how are they going to do that? I, th I think we're seeing it's going to be kind of death by a thousand thousand cuts. They're going to prevent us to organize. They're going to censor us. I think it's going to be really aggressive online, and then it's going to start to move offline. We're not going to be able to do banking. Um, they're going to blend that with a digital, digital ID once they – I mean – so really, what determines the progress of this destruction will be the individual and collective resistance that those on the right do. I'm not too optimistic about that. I think the right, I mean, they put more faith in Q than in Christ. So I'm a little concerned there. <laughs> but uh, that said, it's really up to them. I think you're going to see more martyrs individually. I think people are going to make a stand like me. I'm getting to the point where I'm really sick and tired. There's uh, there's some, everyone has a line that they won't cross. Everyone, there is, is he's going to go down for something dumb. Like it's going to be, someone asked me to wear a mask in the Walmart and I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. And then the yeah. cops are called and then there's a scene, <laughs> but everyone yeah. has a line. Your line isn't say a mask. It's something, a local election. There was some parents fighting in the school board meetings. It can, you know, you're just going to see these individuals announce with their voices and bodies that I've had enough. Now, maybe their individual activism is not going to change things. But when this is happening on a mass scale and those in power are losing their grip, things fall apart. So, I think that you're going to see an acceleration between 2024 to 2026. That seems to be from the very smart men I talked to. We seem to see some see eye to eye that around the middle in a couple more years, 
things are going to get very difficult. And uh, But if you have God, every difficulty is for your spiritual benefit. You don't have to worry. You know, Christ says, don't worry for the things that will come. Just lean on lean on him totally. So I'm kind of excited because I can prove to God that my faith is real. I'm not LARPing. I'm ready. I'm ready to suffer for him like he suffered for us. I'm ready to do it. Um, but how it's going to happen, I don't know. But I'm ready to call you and say, hey, I can't go to the supermarket. I don't have my digital ID. Can I have some bread? Or can I give you a <laughs> list of food that maybe you know your friend can can get? Dig through dumpsters. I don't know. But if that's we're going to have to move to a barter society and just and just exchange goods and services with with people in our community. And I'm kind of ready for that, too. Something I will say about right now, even though I know things are going to get much worse. 2020 was a bit of a relief for me because between 2016 and 2020, I had in 2019, I had all this horrible anticipatory anxiety, like living in um, what's going to be a failed state was very difficult for me because I kept feeling like, when's it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Like, I, I don't like living in this limbo period. And so once things started precipitating and once I, I saw that the pandemic was how they were going to, to roll this out, it was actually something of a relief. I'm like, all right, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. This is how they're going to do it. And now I can start dealing with it. Uh, did you feel like that at all? Yeah, because you know this this hammer is coming, but yeah. you don't see where it's coming from and when it's going to come to. But then when it does come, like, ouch, that hurts. But <laughs> now I have now I know what to do. So now yeah. I have these uh, these actionable steps that that i can take problem is the feeling of this limbo is going to grow it's not going mm. to go away there's going to be large periods of time where you don't know what is going on so we have to get used to this un uncertainty because guess what life is uncertain yeah. all this in the past where things were mostly certain was an illusion it was fake <laughs> yeah. you know so embrace this uncertainty I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but I'm ready that when it comes, only thing I can say is that when the bad comes, don't forget God. A lot of people think I'm going to solve it on my own strength and power. No, you won't. So, you know, me, one thing is when someone insults me, my instinct is like maybe you or others is mm, I'm, I'm angry at that person. He, he hurt me. And, and so, you, and so you insult him back. And why didn't I pray to God for that? Why why didn't I say, God, please reduce my anger and pride? Because I forgot about him at the moment. So what I'm doing, I'm trying to train myself that whenever a little difficulty happens to speak to God right then and there, don't respond with this instinct. Unfortunately, our instinct, if we were raised in this time, is, is bad. You know, our instinct is one of pride and anger and wrath, pettiness, jealousy. So I'm trying to train myself, but it's a process. That's why I try to tell people, get started now. You may, If you turn to God today, it's going to start helping. But to get to where you need to be, it takes time. It takes yeah. years. So, yeah. so you can do that. But the one more piece of advice that I like to give that people don't really 
like is don't hope. Don't hope that the world is going to be better. I mean, why? Why would you torture yourself like that? Yeah. You know, so don't hope for a better world where, you know, I can go out without a mask and people are social and happy and I have my inner. No, just do not hope for that. I mean, why? Why would you have a false hope? Because what you see is that people who degrade the most, People who psychologically collapse the most are those who've had their hopes dashed. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, my issue right now, it's I, I haven't come to the most authentic faith. I have um I'm I'm on a bit of a, a journey, a spiritual journey, but I'm definitely not where I where I need to be. I'm still not going to church every week. I'm I'm praying every day, but it's mostly self-centered prayer and things like that. And I, I feel a lot of times like, like, God, why aren't you? bailing me out, you know, like I, I'm praying to you, why aren't you bailing me out? And I forget often that, that our suffering is a way that we can strengthen our faith. And I should treat that, um, like it's a gift. And I know a lot of people are like this and, and I'm guilty of this as well, but, um, I have a lot of presumptions about how, what, how God is working in the world. Like, I, like I know what his plan is or something like that. And I keep telling my brother, my brother this, and he's always like, you can't possibly understand how God is working in your life. He's like, imagine the, the level of intelligence between you and an ant. What if it's a million times that between you and God? You need to think that like you have no idea why he's doing certain things, why certain things are playing out in your life in certain ways. And you have to accept that uncertainty. So how do you accept that uncertainty? How do you deal with uncertainty in your life and in your faith? Yeah, I mean, one thing is, does God want us to be happy? Does he want us to be happy here and now to not experience any kind of problem? So uh, yeah. in 2019, I did a tour. I did a, a countrywide tour. I drove 18,000 miles. I did 23 speak, speaking events. It all went perfect. All events, 23 for 23. And uh, I'm writing, I'm almost done with a, a book about that. But then after that, I was like, I did it. Thanks. Thanks to God. I, I did it. Now I'm just going to rent a house and live there. Something very easy. Something I'm sure you have done. Other people have uh, done too. I rented a house in the mountains. There were birds everywhere. I'm looking out the window. I see the northern cardinal, the woodpeckers, the nuthatches. Glorious. Thank you, God, for giving me this. But there was a problem. The house was a former crack house that wasn't decontaminated. Oh, no. It emitted from the floors the a foul urine body odor stench that the landlord refused to fix. So after two months in my mountain home, I had to leave and move back in with my mother. And since then, I've been stuck. <laughs> I have not had a home <laughs> since then. I'm, I have a roommate now. Uh, so the point I'm trying to say is we don't know what God has in store. God allowed me to talk to men about turning to Christ across the country in a very difficult trip. But to rent a house in the mountains and live alone, he said, no. <laughs> and he kicked me out. <laughs> So am I going to be upset at God? Am I going to say, God, why do you let me live there? I really love those birds. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, well, I don't know why I can't live there. I don't know why you kicked me out, but I know you did it for my spiritual benefit. 
I know. And one day I'm going to see it maybe in this life, but definitely in the next one, I'm going to see why you didn't allow me to do that. For the same reason that if you ask for a million dollars to God right now, and he knows that by giving it to you, you will turn that money into a God and forsake him and be condemned, why would he give it to you? So a lot of people, if, if you're praying for something and God refuses to give it to you, refuses to answer you, there's a reason. <laughs> there is a reason. But now if you ask him for something, usually I ask for the strength to endure, for the knowledge, for the enlightenment, to understand how to grow my faith. He usually answers that. Why? Because that is not going to lead to condemnation. Nation. So once we remove ourselves from these worldly attachments, like you use the phrase to bail yourself out, I'm guessing you mean to bail yourself out of a situation here and now. Well, he doesn't want you to be bailed out because if you get bailed out and life is easy and comfortable, you'll forget about him. And, and I definitely would. I mean, that's how I was in, in my former life. I, I was hedonistic and totally godless. And there was a reason for that because you were satisfying, seemingly satisfying spiritual needs through worldly pleasures. Um, and maybe it is the suffering that is the gift. I mean, and I'm, I don't, I'm not telling people to seek out pain, you know, to get a, a whip and to whip yourself. I'm not saying It'll that. You guys don't need to do that. <laughs> it's going to happen anyway. The amount of suffering that's going to come your way is so high that you don't need to seek it out. No. So don't, oh. please don't do that. But when it comes, just know that God is allowing this. God is allowing these evil people in the world right now to proceed with a really horrible plan to control the world. He's allowing it. Why? And we we can guess, but we don't know. But if he is uh, if he is allowing it for those that are his children, for those who are Christ, there's going to be a benefit to it. It's not going to be now though. I think once you start to seek the benefits of the afterlife of heaven, it starts to make sense. But a lot of people whose faith isn't there, they just, no, I'm not, I can't wait that. No, I want to experience pleasure now. I want to experience joy and bliss now. It's not going to happen. And the more you try for that, the more you're actually going to hurt your faith. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. The, the more I look at my behavior and my relationship with God, the more I see that we really are just like petulant children. <laughs> he must look at what we're doing and being like, you know, I've given you all, all the information that you need right now. And you just kind of have to have to operate with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's a difficult a pill to swallow, I think, for most people on the right, that things are going to get harder, and that we're going to be virtually powerless to affect change on an institutional level, and that we're just going to have to trust in God and cope with the uncertainty. Um, something that I've really had a hard time dealing with is this loss of America. I wonder if you would opine on that a little bit. I grew up very patriotic and I had this long period of being a constitutional conservative. And I, I really thought that these constitutional values that ultimately we would adhere to them. And I thought they were manifested in all of our institutions. And this was even after I started my YouTube channel. Um, I really believed in America as an ideology. And now I see that none of this really matters, that it's been a farce my entire life and that it's not worth saving and that the constitution's not going to protect us. Do you think that's a fair 
assessment <laughs> of the situation. I think that the cons the constitution, the idea of what America is, is a beautiful idea. It's such a nice idea <laughs> that so makes, nice, me, yeah. makes me feel so warm and fuzzy <laughs> and all the rights I have and the freedoms yeah. I had and how the founding fathers were so considerate <laughs> to make sure that tyranny will never take over. But yeah. it was an oligarchy for from the time it's it started a very yeah. powerful group of men ruled the country now we have a very powerful group of men ruling the country so it's really it's always been an oligarchy disguised as a as a democracy all the rights they've allowed us to have in the past were because it didn't conflict with their agenda and goals but oh things are changing now they want to tighten their grip on power because they feel i think the ruling class today is paranoid very paranoid schizophrenic they really fear things so they're now projecting that fear onto us and they're tightening their grip so oh yeah the constitution we don't know that you know or they're going to trim around the edges bite around the edges as much as they can so really it's just a piece of paper but i'm not sure what the idea of what america is ever was that way it always mm. was a powerful group of people they only allow you to have rights when it doesn't conflict with what they want maybe one thing i can argue is that the, the uh or agree with is that the the rulers of this country in the past were not as greedy selfish sociopathic they were they were not as i mean the amount of greed that we have from the oligarchs today is something else you would think they'd be satisfied with a billion or two but no they need hundreds of billions i mean it's insane the amount of power that they want they're really constraining us we can't even speak the truth anymore i mean it's so it's so the kind of so I'm not convinced that we can go back to a previous time. I mean, when do you want to go back to? What year do you think America was glorious during our lifetime? You know, when we were invading countries, bombing mm -hmm. countries, killing hundreds of thousands of people after we allowed abortion, uh, sexual revolution where people like me could destroy themselves through sex and alcohol and drugs so i'm not sure i mean if you have a year that you think is the golden year you know maybe we can go back to that but i don't see it no. when is the golden year you know when is the golden year in the world you know in the history of the world was there ever a golden year maybe when jesus christ was was born in the in the, in the, in 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 the manger when he was born and finally we can be redeemed for our sins was that the golden year but i don't see i think i think the idea the hollywood idea of what america was it's nice on the screen but in reality it's just a group of men with incredible amounts of power and wealth definitely and people will always say the 50s which is kind of an answer that i don't i don't really understand because of our involvement in world war 2 preceded that and then after the sexual revolution was just around the corner so it's like well you're born in the 50s but then you still have to live through the 60s the 70s and the 80s so really what's the what's the benefit yeah. there um but yeah i don't even know the answer to that I, I i don't think there was really a golden era in the united states at least i think the golden era is today it is now <laughs> it is now you know yeah. it is the moment when you can prove to god that your faith is strong and you're ready to serve him that's what the golden era is you know god doesn't want us to be all nostalgic about the past he doesn't want us to be overly concerned about 
the future. The golden era is today, is as me and you talk, as people are watching. This is the gold. This is the golden era as Christ. He he works through us, you know, to bring people closer to to uh, Him. Because I can tell you, there's no time in the past that I would want to go to and keep. I mean, there isn't. There just there just isn't. We live in the in the now. The world is constantly changing. It's advancing to the end. Advancing to the end of human history according to God's perfect plan. It doesn't seem perfect to us because we're mere human creatures that can't see the how everything connects, how thousands of years of humankind connects to achieve the maximum salvation of souls for those who want to be saved. But unfortunately, you look around and you see people on on the left, they don't want to be saved. They They want the anger and the fury and the power. And um, be careful what you wish for, because you just may get it. But that's all that they're going to get. That's de- that's totally true. And I think that that's um, something else of this age that should make people a little bit optimistic or at least hopeful. It is a time that has allowed somewhat ordinary people like you to really emerge as as thought leaders and to spread the word of Christ, which is what you're doing. And I think you've done such a tremendous good for people. Um, and we really do see your journey as this this great redemption arc and you've given so many people hope for how to turn their lives around and how to reject sin so i just want to thank you for that it's it's been truly inspiring for me and for for the people around me to to watch what you've gone through especially for you to give up your income i thought that was really noble of you to give up the income from your past books and to stop taking income from that cuz i know that that was probably very difficult for you. And, and, uh, you know, it was money that you needed to live on and and I'm sure your life has been a lot harder. And so you did the right thing and we really appreciate that. So I think that's a good note to end on. If you want to tell people a little bit about the project you've been working on and where they can find your new book and then where they can find you on alt media. Yeah, sure. So I am just finished my new book and I actually have a copy here. It's called American Pilgrim. And it's about my 2019 tour of the country when I gave my testimony to Christ. And uh, this was a difficult trip and I met a lot of people. And so this was actually my first, this book, I started to work on it just a few months after I turned to Christ. So you can see the journey of early, the, the early days and the early problems I was having when I changed my life from making women the God to God the God. <laughs> So that's coming out soon in a couple of weeks. And yeah, you can find me on my website, roosh.v.com. And from there, you can have links to my Twitter and Gab and so on. And of course, I'll have all of that linked in the description. And thank you so much for joining me. I hope we can do it again. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.